Before we get into it all, we thought we'd have a shout out to our listeners. Uh, This is episode 22 and our following is growing, which is overwhelming for us. Thank you for being part of our journey. We'd really love it if all those out there in podcast land could rate, review and subscribe to Real Estate Right on your favorite podcast platform. Chat to us on our Facebook and Instagram accounts or just hit us up with an email to tell us and the world why you love real estate right now back to the show property styling has become big business with companies like Kmart and Target getting in on the act to allow us to buy inexpensive stylish decor furniture and homewares to dress our homes the problem you find with do-it-yourself stylers is that not everyone has the knack to bring it all together with the eye for photos and you're open for inspections today we will get into what works and what doesn't with Glenn McGrath from Present Your Home. Welcome to Real Estate Right, where we talk to top experts on how to buy, sell, rent and invest right. Your hosts are Grant Kennedy and Sue Langada. Glenn has headed a successful pre-auction service business that has evolved from property maintenance to styling over the past 20 years called Present Your Home. He has passionately developed the business to help Melbourne homeowners achieve exceptional sales prices for their homes or investment properties. And he's here to talk to us today about the do's and don'ts in property styling. Welcome, Glenn. Yay, welcome, Glenn. Hi, Glenn. How are you? G'day, Grant. G'day, Sue. How are you? Very well, thank you. That's good. (laughs) Good to see you. Um, Now... One thing we're going to say was um, Glenn's got a really great offer at the end of our episode. So everyone just listen out for that at the end. Um, And I'm sure we'll put it on Facebook and Instagram. So what I'd like to tell the audience is, um, look, I've known Glenn for probably now since your inception of Present Your Home. Would that be fair? Yes. yes, Yeah. And it's been great to see you take it on um, all parts of the pre-sale service in terms of preparing a home for sale. So what inspired you to get into pre-sale presentation? I guess what I had, I had a, um, like a maintenance and a gardening business at around about 2000. Yeah. I had a brief, I stopped that and had a brief, um, little sojourn into real estate. Okay. And at that point I realized I was not going to make it as a real estate agent, but what I did notice was how many properties were really failing to look their best when uh, they were going up for sale. So that's when Present Your Home was born and I exited real estate and put Present Your Home together. Okay, exciting. Yeah, look, it's it's amazing how, you know, things just evolve over time and how they can, um, you know, be the better thing. You know, you don't have to stick to the Exactly. Moment. Yeah. Yeah, welcome, Glenn. And, um, Thank you. A very basic question to start off, I guess, is uh, why should I style my home? Well, I guess any time you style, well, sorry, any time you sell your home, um, it's arguably your largest asset. Um, there's no guaranteed or retail price for a home, if you like. Um, so what you need to do is really give it its very best chance to succeed. And, you know, a percent or two here and there in increase in sales price is a very big number. Uh, and because so many homes are being styled now on the market, you really need to be looking like the other homes on the market. In fact, you want to look better than the other homes on the market, uh, given the amount of visual media coverage there is. And um, from all of the work that we've done, which goes back to maintenance and gardens and everything, that's all very important, but styling is really, really the icing on the cake. Yeah. That's what we're told to believe, aren't we? Yeah. But it is, it is true. Like when you see houses, um, yeah, with with the styling and you know, versus a, a vacant house, it 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 does make a massive difference. Yeah, I've got a very quick example, and it was going back to the early days. We styled a house. Well, sorry, we were we had to renovate a house, and this was a smoker's house, and it it was a unit, and it was so bad we had to put sealer all over the walls before we could paint it. Yeah, to stop the nicotine staining. It was an ugly house, and when we finished with it, which took about two weeks. It looked so much better. Then I came back just as the property had been styled, and this was prior to us doing styling. Someone else had furnished it. And I'll never forget that image when I first walked in and saw that property with furniture in it and well styled. 
it almost eclipsed what we had done taking it from where it was to there. It made it look like an actual home. And that's a vivid memory. And that, that rammed home to me how important that last bit is about making it look like a home, yeah. not a vacant shell. Yeah, like you, you, it's marketing 101 to sort of sell that, uh, I guess, vision, isn't it, of what, a, what your lifestyle is going to be like in this home. And that's, yes. that's the important thing, isn't it? Oh, exactly that. And I mean, we, you know, like we were used to doing that sort of work. Um, it, it was just such a powerful thing that hit me. And I thought, if that's hit me like that, it's going to hit the average person exactly the same. Yeah, for sure. Definitely. So essentially from your example, it, it is better to start than do the minor renovations because a lot of people seem to, they feel guilty if they leave their home with you know some minor cracking or some you know the floorboards rotting or we better put a rug over it or, or they just get really really guilty that that's um they're they're passing those legacies over to the new owner um yeah often too yes because there's been things where husband said to wife or wife says to husband you should have done that yes a while ago and they haven't done it and they've got a fixation on it and we have to tell them Hey, don't worry about that. That's not that important. It's the overall feel of the house. Don't spend too much time in one room because it's created arguments or whatever in the past. Just look at the home. And that's actually where you need a brand new set of eyes, totally with no emotion to the home at all, looking at it and giving them a quick appraisal of going, look, guys, you don't need to do that, but maybe you do need to do this. Um, Yeah. Yeah. It uh, it, uh, just simplifies it for people. Definitely. Yes. Yeah. I know that when I've sold houses and had a couple of stylists in, I um, like, why would you do that? Why would? <laughs> but it's it actually works, and that's as you said, the second set of eyes is definitely a big yeah, plus. Absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> What's the best way to style a kitchen, for instance, uh, Glenn? Okay, well, what you don't need to show really are. Um, Appliances, what you don't want is a cluttered kitchen. You don't want your toaster sitting on there. You don't want your day-to-day items. What you need is pretty clear and clean bench tops. Uh, if you had a nice-looking coffee maker, maybe that could sit there. Uh, what we tend to do is put in things like um, sort of kitschy-looking uh, utensils, cookbooks, uh, a little bit of greenery if that suits and just set the kitchen out so as it looks inviting and basically shows the space. Uh, and above everything else, it must be very clean. And I think a lot of people think if, if it's not there, it's like um, they don't think about it. If the microwave's usually on the bench and you've taken it off, they don't actually think, where do I put my microwave when, when they go through the house? Because they just think, oh, wow, look how big this kitchen is. And then they forget they've got to put their microwave, their coffee machine there kettle their toaster and all of a sudden all their bench space has gone down to nothing exactly um (laughs) yeah exactly and a good example we give to people is when we come in even to do when i come in to do the quote initially i try and walk through the house fairly quickly because that's what buyers do and i mean i'm looking intently but i'm looking for things that are standing out as being wrong so what you said is exactly right people aren't going to walk in and go where's the microwave yeah Just if it doesn't need to be there, if if it hasn't got a spot for it, just pop it away. Yeah. Yeah. And So what shouldn't we be doing when it comes to kitchens? Yeah, well, exactly. We shouldn't be crowding it. We we shouldn't be leaving any mess in the kitchen. We've got to present a kitchen as a very clean, inviting space. Things like if if you do have a bench for people to sit at, well, you want to make sure you've got stools there. So if you're utilising that as a breakfast bar, you have stools eat, but you don't have um, placemat set, you don't have cutlery, you don't have things like that on it. You just have it looking functional, clean, and really as modern as you can make your kitchen look. And look, if it's an older kitchen, that's fine. You just try and basically go with whatever it has. We sort of have a saying, it's like if you've got a something that's not, not looking good or a bad colour, yeah. you try and find something else accessory-wise to make friends with it. Yeah. So it doesn't look completely like it's the enemy in the room. Nice. Now, how about pantries? Do you think pantries should all be like looking orderly? 
If you can, yes, because you'd be surprised or you might not be surprised how many people like to run around and open drawers and <clears throat> open pantries and cupboards. Yeah. Um, don't hide your toaster anywhere where people can open it, though. Yeah, that's the thing. <laughs> like, yeah, and your microwave. And your microwave, yeah. Store them, yeah, store them right away. Yeah. I did have one complaint when I went through a property, this is years ago, where the owner was saying, that the stylist said empty out half your cutlery drawer because it's too heavy. Why would they say something like that? Yeah, we haven't gone to that. That extent? No. No, no. No. No, no, because, no, I mean, you'd like, <clears throat> you know, some properties are vacant properties and they're styled and people know that it's a vacant property. Yeah. Uh, other properties that are styled are properties that people are living with. And I guess the majority actually are that people are living in. Yeah. So people are allowed to live, they're allowed to be normal yes so things like that um you don't want to do and you don't want to create extra work for someone when they're selling their house there's enough to do and we'll give them some do's and don'ts but you don't want to keep making that list long so they end up with a nervous breakdown at the end of the process well that's that's what this lady was like she's like why would she's like it's to her it was a pathetic idea but some stylists I don't know, maybe they feel like they have to do something because they're there and they need to be paid to do something. So they just give weird advice. Yeah. (laughs) No, I understand. Yeah. Yeah, We actually try, like one of the things that, you know, that I've noticed and I've spoken to my staff about is it's a pretty stressful time for people. So expect sometimes you're not going to see them at at their best because they're very worried about things. But if we can actually um, like allay some of their fears that's good. Mm. Work in with their estate agent and all be on the same page is another good thing. So is they're going to go into it with a bit of confidence yeah. uh, and less stress? Yeah, that's what you want. So how about a bedroom? What's the best thing we should be doing with our bedrooms in terms of styling? Yeah, okay. Well, bedrooms, look, they need to be very comfy. So the bed needs to look very, very luxurious, as my stylist and Ralph says. It looks like you just basically want to jump into that bed. It's so nice. Mm. So, um, but don't. <laughs> yeah, don't. But don't. No, no, but no. Don't. That's right. No, no, but no, don't no, jump no. into it. No, 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 no. <laughs> I've heard horror stories, and I, yeah. <laughs> so we don't want those things. Um, yeah. Look, things like you know, we use big, you know, like nice big fluffy European pillows and really good cushions. Yeah, matching artwork. Um, mm-hmm. Try it if you can. Even it could be a matter of um, you could re you know you could reorient the bedroom. If it's going to be a bedroom, it's going to be you know, have a photo taken. We try and do it where the bed's facing the door because that's where the photographer's mm-hmm. going to come in from. Can take a great shot. So again, you want lack of clutter. You want space. You want to be able to walk around your bed. If you've got a bedroom that's um, let's say for example you've got a couple of rooms and they're not necessarily used, the, the bed in one room is way too big for that room you might swap your beds around. You're going to try and create room so as people don't feel like they have to tiptoe around a bed to get to the wardrobe and things like that. So it's Mm. positioning, um, but you want to make them look luxurious. You want to make them look like a really good hotel bedroom when you walk in and you go, now that looks inviting. Yeah, Yeah, definitely. Where do people normally get it wrong with their bedrooms? Do they, obviously too much clutter, but... Yeah, too much clutter. they might have the bedroom set up for function, which is fine. So they've got a bed pushed over to a wall because for whatever reason, they don't want to go to the other side of the bed. So we say to people, okay, let's take your bed, orientate it, whichever wall it's on. If you can put it in the centre of the room, do so. Uh, do you have a couple of matching bedsides to go with that? Uh, have you got lamps to put on it? Things to actually make it look inviting again, not like the place where you just walk into and slump on the bed and go to sleep. Yeah. Yeah, fair, fair enough. enough. Um, living spaces are generally generally the money rooms. What should we be doing in those spaces? Okay, well, they're, yeah, they're really the important ones there. Um, this is really all about furniture placement. Um, so we have this little battle sometimes between functionality and style, and we explain to people okay, you've got your bedroom, sorry, you've got your lounge room set up like this. There's your TV over there. You've got your lounge set up facing it. But what that's doing at the moment, and it's possibly too big, we might be able to reduce that size. But what you're doing is you're chopping your room in half from a visual perspective. 
So if we just turn the sofa around, maybe get your armchairs and we might place the armchairs into the TV because they're not as big. Um, you do things like that to, to open up space. It's got to have some functionality to it. You can't have it completely just being a display room. But the, the biggest problem is too much furniture in, um, in the living space. And that could be seating or it could be wall units and buffets, <clears throat> pardon me, and things. So you need to open the room up, keep things away from doorways. What we say to people is you have to imagine that it's not only just us walking through the house at the moment. At an open for inspection, you might have 20 people or more in your house and you don't want them all single filing past things. And they'll walk out of your house thinking, gee, that was, cr that was cramped. But they mightn't realise that there was a lot of people in there yeah. as well. Yeah. yeah, it is a psychological thing, isn't it? It is. And then again, you, we do things like, you know, a couple of rules are if you can do it, your long wall would have a sofa on it. Um, yeah. Entertainment unit over on the other side, or often we don't use an entertainment unit. If, it, if it's not going to work in a room and it's, and it's a property that's vacant, you just don't put mm. them in because again, it's like that example of the microwave. If it's going to sit there and look, look wrong, then you don't. Yeah. Put it in. Is it better yeah. to have one room that really stands out? And, and make the other living spaces less impactful? Or um, how do you get that balance right on what, what you sort of focus on and in, with impact? Um, yeah, look, depending on, like in some places now that have um, sort of multiple living rooms, sometimes we'll do that. There might be a budgetary um, constraint on, you know, how much can we do in this property, which is a fair question too. People haven't got unlimited resources. So what we would say is if you have three living areas, that's a big feature for the estate agent selling your house. So make sure your living areas are well done. So you don't want one necessarily better than the other. You want to make sure that they're all up to a fairly good standard. So people, you know, remember those rooms. If you wanted to cut back, we would say, let's say you had four bedrooms and a couple of them were down the end. We could say, look, maybe not worry about a couple of the bedrooms because you're going to have a feature bedroom with your master bedroom. But we, we always put a lot of importance on the living rooms um, because we work in very closely with what the agent wants and the agents know what sells a home and they're like a good agent will know what, he, what he needs dressed to make the most. Mm, impact. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. The key word is a good agent. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> The good ones understand. I mean, look, the great thing about where I sit, I get to deal probably like you, Sue, get to have yeah. seen a lot of agents. And yes. the ones that are successful, the, yeah, the ones that have a bit of an eye for this, they already know what you should be doing when you come in. They've, give you, they've given you a bit of a brief. They, yeah. they know that because they actually understand that it works. It makes their job easier and they're more excited about showing people a house that they're proud of rather than one that they go, oh, God, what am I going to find this time when I go in? Yeah. Yeah. Yes, that's <laughs> true. So everyone loves an outdoor lifestyle. What should we be doing to maximise our our fresco spaces? Yeah, they actually they become very important. And again, with uh, in consultation with agents, if the area is big enough, and particularly if it's located somewhere close to the kitchen, where in modern properties they are. Uh, they generally want a dining setting out there because the whole idea is to invite indoor outdoor living. So you go out there, you've got a family, they come out there, it's a nice day. Uh, often the areas are covered. So we'll put a dining table in there, like an outdoor dining table. And if there's enough room, you'd, you'd have a lounge setting uh, in there as well, or what we call a small bistro setting. But it's very important to make sure that those rooms aren't forgotten about. Definitely. And have it like things like the the front veranda or, you know, finding other little pockets yeah. of interest around the garden just to show how it can be used. We'll, we'll assess a property and if it's got an area that looks like, gee, wouldn't that be a nice, could, you know, could you imagine yourself sitting there on a nice day and yeah. having a glass of wine or sitting and reading a book? So we'll put a little setting in any area that looks like it should have something in it because it's an addition to... Um, what the house yeah. offers but again Definitely. we don't clutter we don't want to clutter around entrances um but if they had a nice porch for example and you could put a setting down one end particularly if it's near a window where 
you can look out, you'll see the setting or you look back in. We, we basically do those. Yeah. yeah. And the reality is the more outdoor living spaces you have, the more value you're adding to your property. Exactly. And well, you know, from copywriting, it's what you can write mm. into the piece and what you can write honestly about a property. It's got this area, it's got that area and people are going to walk on it. It's no, it's no good writing it and then they come in and going, well, where's that area that you've been talking about? Yeah, well, that's true. So you need to highlight it. Yeah, yeah, definitely. So any disasters you've seen in the old um, outdoor uh, living spaces that you think, oh, how could they have done that? Have you seen any disasters? Uh, yeah, yeah, no, i disaster. I've seen like a nice built-in barbecue Yeah. Um, with its top open with what was had been cooked on the weekend, oh. not properly cleaned off the plate. Oh, and complete with the complete with broken eggshells. Oh, nice. Sitting next to it and just basically clutter and mess and uh, stuff everywhere. And so was that for being nearby? Was that for and open for inspection, or was that as you were cleaning, uh, getting the property ready? No, it's as we were getting the property ready, and we so we sort of said to them. Uh, I'm not sure what time your photos are, but I thought there was a day I'm thinking that you're probably going to have to, uh, <laughs> you have to do something about those because they're going to photograph that area. Yeah. <laughs> we're usually not too far behind you guys. Yeah. Too, so. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. We're usually working against the clock. So um, yeah, no, that was a thing. Oh, and just, and just, you know, people then maybe storing things like they're trying to figure out, you know, they've moved this from here and they've moved something, but they've got, things that you wouldn't store in your alfresco area yeah. stored. So you sort of say, look, you know, those, these old bikes could go down the side of the house or, yeah. or, you know, maybe like a relative could store them. And we're, actually we're noticing now people are using a lot of storage. They're just hiring. As in external places. Yeah, yeah. and they're, they're actually fairly cheap. Yeah, just, just for the four, four or so weeks. Yeah. yeah, yeah, just getting a small unit, popping some things in there. Uh, it's not a lot of money. And, um, yeah, I was surprised, but now that I'm seeing it done a lot, it's uh, it, actually works, it actually works well. Yeah, it's not expensive, but it's only for a month or two. Yeah, yeah exactly, yeah. I, I remember going to a house once where they had the house inside looking absolutely perfect and they had decided to store everything on their front veranda. And it's like, you can't be doing that. <laughs> your photos are just First looking impression. awesome inside, but you forgot about the outside. <laughs> and it it almost looked like a building zone. It was it was just horrendous how um how much stuff they had stacked on this. Particularly where this is your first entry point of the house. Oh, I know, but you know they didn't think of the external photos. They only thought about the internal photos. And and yeah, the, the back deck was also pretty revolting and and. Un- the photographers there going, I can't do anything. I really can't do anything. <laughs> yeah. We've got a listener question, uh, Chantel from Cheltenham, and she has a plain white bathroom. So what would be the best way for her to dress something, you know, so huge in colour? Yeah, okay. What what we do in those instances is we use, um, you, you use some colour in your towels, for example, and there's a lot of good... Uh, pattern towels, like in a modern pattern, particularly if it's a modern bathroom. Um, nice indoor greenery uh, is uh, is also good. Nice looking um, soap pump dispensers and things. So you'd add a bit of colour in, um, which really highlights. It actually makes the the white bathroom look nice and crisp. But you've actually added colour in. Um, look, even if the wall, you know, artwork in bathrooms. It's sort of hard to do, but if, if there was a wall big enough, maybe a small piece of artwork in there with, you know, with some colour in it would be good as long as things match. Yeah. Yeah, and, as long as it works. Yeah, and, and again, nice and clean and tidy, toothbrushes put away. But, yeah, just adding colour through towels and um, accessories is a great way to go. So no bath mats? No, 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 no bath mats, unless it's one of those nice-looking little timber things. Again, it's... It's a little bit like you start to look at the room and how much room there is in there and you run your eye over it. A good thing to tell people, run your eye over the area very quickly and see if anything just looks wrong or looks out. Something looks too big for the space. It's all about, you know, economy of scale. So if you've got something in that room that's going to make that room look small, a big 
mat on the floor that makes the floor area look small. Take it out, have a look at it again and go, now I've just given yeah. that a little bit more space. And that shows in the photos too, doesn't it? Okay. Yeah. yeah, it does. Uh, just just a real quick one. You mentioned about toothbrushes and, and that kind of thing. Do you ever use that as a styling technique, toothbrushes, or do you t- typically just completely put those away? Yeah, they're completely put away. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. No, I, I just a little little thing I've always – I've always put them away for photos. Yeah, it's something that you don't it's, – it's just the whole idea. It's sort of like I guess it's a toothbrush. It goes in your mouth. It, do that it's sort of not a yeah. it's not really an inviting no. yeah dirty. that's right yeah, yeah. yeah dirty, dirty connotation I yeah guess. yeah but I, th- I think it's also suggests that the house isn't their buyers it's owners still it yeah, yeah. That's a, actually that's that, yeah it's a really good point one one thing we do say to people particularly with um if there's a lot of personal either photos or interesting memorabilia in the house we say respectfully can it's best to remove that because what you want to create is people walking into the house and not feeling like they're, they have to tippy toe through, you know, John Brown's house, for example, because this is so John Brown's house. I feel like I'm intruding. You want Mm. to make it look like you can walk in and go, gee, I can, I can imagine myself living here. Yeah. Yeah. My house. Yeah. Yeah. My house. Yeah. So what's the best way to show off your entrance hall and the front garden? What's Yeah, okay. Well, front gardens, well, um, as you know, we used to do front gardens and one of the guys mm. who trained me in the early days said the most attention goes from the from the from basically the pathway to your front door. That's where you put the most mm-hmm. attention in. Uh, when it starts to get around the corner and things, if you haven't got time or budget, then you don't have to be as careful. So it's that first um, impression coming in. It has to be mm-hmm. neat and tidy. Uh, it doesn't necessarily mean a whole lot of money spent, but it just means the garden's well-groomed. What you don't want is a whole lot of clutter around your front door. You don't want big pots or things that make your entrance look small. Um, mm-hmm. So you need a really nice walk-in. And then when you open that front door, depending on what your entrance is like, um, if there's room to put a nice console, that's fine. If not, what we find is often there isn't quite the room, um, but it looks like, do you have something, do you not? So one thing you can do is put artwork on a wall, mm-hmm. and if it's large enough, it, it has the ability to take up floor space. Yeah. yeah. Sort of visually. Yeah. So that would be a nice entrance. Uh, there's conflicting opinions on whether you have a mirror coming in because some people feel really funny about looking at themselves walking through the door. And... Well, it's actually bad feng shui. It's ah, if you're reflecting yeah. the, the mirror the other way, like back outside, it's actually yeah. reflecting the, the good energy out. Uh-huh. So well, you want to keep the good energy that. inside the house. Yeah. Uh-huh. So you can have a mirror to the side but not. Yeah, not directly on. Yeah. Yeah, well. Yeah, and that makes sense because it's uncomfortable. I mean, I know if I walk into a place and the first thing you look up and you see yourself walking and you're sort of a bit, you know, yeah. it's a bit weird. Yeah. So so we do things like that. Look, also, if it's a, if you walk into the house and it's pretty much a hallway, which, which some houses are, it, if the hallway isn't very wide, we tend to say don't put artwork on the hall walls because, again, your eye gets attracted to the artwork. And what it does is it narrows the hall. Mm. So if you've got a narrow area, we tend to leave them as plain as possible. Yeah. So as that area doesn't look small. Yeah. But I guess have it clean, inviting, and presented as best as you can. Because, again, that's your entrance point. So you want everything from the curb inside the property to make people want to keep walking, not start walking and go, I don't really think I want to go through this house. And the the other thing is your subliminal advertising is happening every single day, every time somebody walks past the house. And mm. as, if if they're interested in, in mm. looking at buying, they will judge you from the entrance of the house. Yeah. So if you don't have that looking clean throughout your whole campaign, it's going to get a negative effect on potential buyers. So you need... Yeah, you there's a... Yeah. That's a good point. And it's like when people used to say that they're trying to cut costs and they wouldn't want to bother with even, you know, doing much with their garden. And 
this is what I actually found in, in a short time in real estate was if the owner doesn't want to put any care in keeping their house at least clean and tidy yeah. looking, then the buyer's reaction is, why should I care? Why should I want to offer good money for this house? They don't even care. And I've actually had that said yeah. to me. Why should I? This place is looking like a mess. So why should I go to a way to even want to buy yeah. it? And, it's, and, and, and I know it's all psychological because it doesn't affect the house really, but it's enough to affect the mindset of the buyers. And all they want to do then is actually knock the price yes. down. Well, that's true. Um, getting back to your point yeah. about having pots on the front veranda or pot, whatever, mm-hmm. um, the reality is your real estate agent is going to be standing at that front door. So if they've got pots to juggle with and then they're trying to get mm-hmm. the buyers through the door, you're creating that illusion, that psychological issue of, oh, the entrance is too small. I can't get small. through. Yeah. So get rid of the pots. Get rid of the pots. Unless, yeah, so, so you don't want them. Like anywhere it looks like it's going to, um, you know, basically create a roadblock. Yeah, yeah. That's the thing. Get rid of all yeah. your roadblocks. Yep. Yeah. Yeah, because exactly. we sort of used to we used them on the road at the moment, so we don't want them in our house. <laughs> we yeah, don't that's... want them in our houses. <laughs> <laughs> How do we go about uh, dealing with a tenanted property and and have, getting something that's tenanted ready for sale? What's the best thing to do there when it comes to styling? Well, the question before the styling is the first thing is being able to um, make sure the tenant is actually okay with this because. Um, luckily a lot of properties that are up for sale, they tend to wait till the tenant goes. But if you do have one where the tenant's going to be there, depending on the relationship between the owner and the tenant, the tenant's got to be on side. So you've got to make things fairly easy for them because as agents have told us, a bad tenant in a situation like this is going to really hamper the sale of the home. And because they have nothing invested in it, Hmm. first thing is you just really want them to keep the place as clean and tidy as possible. You can offer the idea of bringing in furniture and they've got to be okay with going along with that. Um, so, yeah, that's it's a little bit of a minefield uh, and it relies heavily on the relationship with that. Having said that, the best thing to do is, is you know, the property needs, again, to be nice and clean and presentable. You don't want them to have just cooked something horribly smelly just before an open for inspection or just gotten out of the bathroom and left it all untidy. Um, so if, yeah, so if we can bring in anything, again, it's like a partial styling. If we can bring in things that will aid the property and they can work with, then um, if we do do that, but I'd probably recommend that where possible, if an owner's selling, try and sell the property when it's not tenanted. Yeah. yeah. So would you, would you have many um, tenanted properties, like percentage-wise? Would it be like two percent? No, it's it, no, it's really, really small. I mean, we, you know, we we, whilst it's still smallish, we have um, properties where we partially style where you know where the owners are living in, but that's an entirely different thing because they have a vested interest in selling the house. Where the tenant, you know, sometimes the tenants are annoyed that you're selling their house, like they like living there, and next thing the owner's selling it, so some of them can be can cannot really be working with the owner or the agent. Yeah. Or the photographer. Yeah. <laughs> oh, or yeah, anybody. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah I actually uh... went to a house the other day with a tenant was oh yeah, the house would be ready and she had drawers open, like undies flicking out the sides of the drawers in a living in a walk in robe and and just mess everywhere and the agent was there going, I can't believe I've just got myself a new job as a cleaner. Like it was just yeah. horrendous. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Tenant yeah. for places can be very cluttered at times. Like it's. Yeah. It's Look, I think the best thing to do is, yeah, you, you just need, you know, between the agent, well, it's probably the agent because the owner doesn't get involved, but the agent just needs to have as good a working relationship as possible with the tenant and try and make it work because otherwise the tenant can really be a fly in the, they can be a fly in the ointment. If they really don't want the property sold, they can make it very hard. Yeah. Okay. So Glenn, is it okay to store all your belongings in the garage or shed at the property and keep it locked for inspections or what do you suggest? Or if you can store it elsewhere, um, 
that would be better. I have heard some agents say, she lives a double garage, you want to show the space. Yeah. However, if that's not a possibility and there are things you need to move out, then I wouldn't leave clutter in the house because you don't want to put it in the garage. So if you put it in the garage, that's not such a bad thing either. Put it in there, pop it over to one side, put blankets over it and so forth. But I wouldn't lock the garage because, yeah, buyers can get suspicious and they'll want to know, why can't I go in that garage? What's wrong with it? Is the ceiling falling down Is you know, and all this sort of thing. So let people see what's there. Yeah. Otherwise, they'll invent worse reasons why they can't go in there. Yes. And they'll probably be quick about it anyway. You know, they're not going to go dig it in deep because all your stuff's there. So they'll probably just have a quick look. Yeah. Yeah, because you want to cover it so people don't sticky beak, uh, people don't get... Particularly if you're doing things like... like The classic example is all the football memorabilia that or soccer or whatever it is. Yeah. You know, people like me, I come into a house and when they've got that, I just stare at it and I want to see whose signature's on it and I want to see all the stuff that interests me. <laughs> yeah. But you don't want that to be the last the, the lasting impression of the house. So if you've got that in the garage, cover it up. You don't want people going, oh, look, they've got a signed jumper of Robert Harvey or something or whatever, you know, the, the thing is. So you cover it up, one, to protect it, and um, but look, definitely don't lock the garage. And yes, you can store things in there um, if you have to. If you can store it off the property, that's better. If not, don't don't be bothered about that. You should keep your garages open. Like another suspicious suspicious thing that they may have is there might be growing dope or something in the garage or the. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, what's your, what's your thoughts, Glenn, on? Um... You know, like say they don't have much storage and they're not going to, you know, they don't want to go down the storage off-site route. Yeah. Um, say it's like a three-bedroom home, like rather than have extra stuff throughout the house and that extra clutter and that, are they better off to use the third bedroom as a storage room in this example and have the rest of the house perfect? do you think, or are they better off just to spread that clutter out throughout the house and have that third bedroom open? Yeah, look, that's 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 an interesting point. You'd have to almost take it on a case-by-case basis. What I'd always do it... Depending on how much clutter we're talking about, probably. Yeah, exactly. And and look, I've, I've always been an advocate of when whenever we come in and we're asked a question, um, particularly if they've picked their agent, I, I'll, I'll say to people... What, what was your agent's viewpoint on this? Yeah. Because ultimately they're selling the house. They, they generally know what they're doing. And every now and then you, you, you'll, you'll, you'll have a vendor asking you a question because they want to either trip the agent up or they, they don't think it's right. And we try to say, look, we need to work in with them. So if the agent says, look, we don't mind, make that last bedroom the room to get rid of the clutter and show the others open, that's fine. Um, I'd be looking to see what friends and family you could offload things onto fairly quickly. Um, and the other thing too, if you talk people through the process, sometimes it works. We, we've said to people things like, particularly if someone's downsizing, okay, so you, when you sell the property, you're going to be not like, what, what out of this aren't you going to use? Well, we're not going to use that, that and that and that. So we say, all right, well, maybe now's a good time to try yeah. and sell it. Or if it's not saleable, have it picked up by the salvos or something like that. And we say, put put the work in now if you can, because at the end of it, you're going to be moving yes. anyway. So let's let's yeah. get rid of all these things now where we can. And and sometimes if you talk people through it, because again, we're not emotionally involved in the sale and we have a clear head. We found that helps people out. And they go, oh, okay, yeah, we can do that. Yeah. We've got time. I generally say that you, you know you move twice. You move the first half of it before the sale and then yeah. the other half, which is your essentials. Yeah, that's yeah. a good point. It's, you know, yeah. when you're actually settling, yeah. Okie dokie. So we've got another uh, listener question. Karen from mm-hmm. Altona would like to know, can she live in the house that has already been fully styled? So, i.e., it's not her furniture, it's your furniture that you're, you're yeah. in there and styled. Yeah. Can she live in it like that? Yes, she can. And, and normally, yeah, we, we actually do some of those. So we have varying degrees of how they're styled. But if they're fully styled, 
that's fine. Generally what we don't, because um, normally a person in their house has their own bed. So we say to them, use your bed to sleep in because our beds, or they're, you know, they're, 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 they're actual beds, they're um, mattresses and bases, but we can't really guarantee how comfortable mm -hmm. they are. And they've never actually been used by people. So what we do is say, you, you live in your bed, use your sheets and everything. We'll put a coverlet, which is a bit like an eider down. And again, we'll provide pillows and all those sorts of things to dress it. That's what you do on open for inspection days. And then when you finish that, roll that up and put it away. As far as the other furniture goes, we just say, um, try, try and cover, because all of our sofas and chairs are all fabric. We don't use leather. Um, so we just ask people to take care and what we have done and it's worked very well in the last 12 months is we've introduced a refundable bond okay. on the furniture uh, okay. and it's not a huge amount of money and, the, and we've never had a problem since that. The only time we did was when someone who I was a little bit dubious about anyway got really up in arms about paying the bond so that was a red flag for me anyway so I thought well if you're not prepared to pay the bond I'm figuring you're not prepared to yeah. pay the furniture. Yeah. So people do that and we've never had to uh, enforce that. Um, but we'll, again, with a, with a partially, or with, sorry, with a property that somebody is actually living in, if there are things we can work in that are theirs, particularly if they're living type items and it isn't going to um, wreck the overall look of the property, we'll, we'll, we'll try and make it as convenient as possible for the owner without compromising yeah. the job. Which is yeah. good. So have you ever done a property that wasn't styled, i.e. left vacant and or had mixed match furniture and it struggled to sell and then they asked to style it and it gets sold? What has anything like that ever happened where you're yeah. stage two, not stage one? Yeah, we stayed we were stage two in the same where we were called in to actually quote. Um and at the end of the day, the people just didn't want to do it yeah. against the agent's best wishes. Yeah. Um, and it was one that really needed some help. Yes. So when it didn't sell, um, they reluctantly, so they weren't happy about it, but they reluctantly had us come in to to do that. And the property sold because we were able to get rid of some of the things in there that were really just awkward. And a lot of it had to do with way too much stuff. Yeah. So, so they bit the bullet and they did it and um, their property sold in the end. But yes. So it's definitely worth it. Yeah. Mm. It's worth it too. And look, I think that the people's attitude changed probably too when they realised it hasn't worked in the first thing because ultimately, you know, they probably weren't uh, agreeing with their agent, I would imagine. Yeah. They, they were pretty stubborn people. So mm. stubborn people I know are very hard. Hard to work with because they know more than the agent. Yeah. So the key is don't be stubborn. <laughs> well, very well. Look, look, a really good thing. And look, I actually say this to people that like you've got to work with your agent. Yeah. Like as long as things are going well, you need to trust what your agent says because if because if you're going to second guess them all the time and they're trying to sell your property, I, as I said from from my little short stint in real estate, mm. that was that was the hardest thing when people didn't want to agree with anything that you were saying, the, uh, like immediately knew that even if a good offer came in, they're probably going to argue about it. So yeah, you need to have faith in your agent, go with what your agent's doing. Mm -hmm. If that isn't working, then you can change your agent. But you, you've got to do that because you need everybody on the same page to sell your home for the best result. That includes, that's, that's the agent, the stylist, yeah, you know, the vendors and everything. And, you know, there's no reason why they shouldn't work. Yeah, definitely. Oh, I can I can definitely say from a photography point of view, it's polar opposites: a vacant property to a styled property. Like in terms of results of photography, and and from what the feedback over the you yeah. know it's been going on for you know how yeah. long styling yeah. been in now it's come become pretty commonplace now at least for the last five or seven years, um, and. You know, the feedback I get is, you know, it makes it yeah. just 10 times easier to, for the agent to sell in terms of speed as well as, you know, um, 
Yeah. Better return. Yeah. So. Well, I saw something the other day that caught my eye, but not for the right reason. So yeah. she was just driving past the property and there was a nice big for sale sign yeah. on it with the main picture. Uh, and it was a new property of an empty room. Mm. And it looked so odd. I just looked at it and it was just terrible. Yeah. Like you're used to seeing, yeah. you know, the nice photos of styled homes. Even if it's lived in, at least the place has got furniture, this just, it just looked terrible. Yeah. No, it doesn't, it doesn't sell an enticing lifestyle at all. Yeah. Well, that was my point that time with that property that we literally, it was the most hideous place that had nicotine stains all over the walls. We did all that work. And when we finished with it, we were pretty proud of what we'd done. We turned it, which was the absolute unsellable unit because you couldn't knock it down. It was part of a complex. Yeah. It was so much different, but when I saw the furniture in, I just thought that's it. My, my, my actual thought was you've just eclipsed the two weeks worth of work we've done by putting furniture in in half a day. You've lifted it to this this complete next level. Yeah, yep, no, for sure. It is next level. Anyway, so the matter of it all is you really have to get your property styled before you put it up for sale. Not only for your inspections, but your photos, are they really are the first selling point to show off your home. And the reality is you've only got one shot at making it look good. So do it right the first time. Thanks so much, Glenn, for your expertise. Thank you. We'll be back after the break with Grant's Fun Facts. Grant's Fun Facts. Let's go. Radio. Interior design is much older than we think. When we talk about interior design and styling, sometimes sometimes it's like it's something new or, um, you know, recently established or, you know, some of us might presume, in, presume interior design didn't truly come from, uh, didn't truly come about until the Victorian era. Uh, but it may, may well have been present way back in the prehistoric era. It's considered that drawings on cave walls, for example, uh, were not always just to be forms of communication, but was always, but was also a way of decorating a space. Sorry, and older tribal cultures were would decorate their mud hats with animal skins and tree branches, and the ancient Egyptians decorated their homes with painted vase sculptures and animal skins. So there you go. It dates back since forever, basically. <laughs> Cultural design. (laughs) (laughs) Current interior design trends in one country may be completely different in another country. Although thanks to technology, which has the globe communicating much better than ever before, uh, interior design trends can often be quite different, same uh, point in time from country to country. For example, if we look back at interior design and styling in 2019, Australia encompassed a very sort of minimalist, minimalism style, bold and daring wallpaper and sort of pastel colours. Meanwhile, at the same time in America, minimal, minimalism was out while maximalism was in using floral wall, big floral wallpaper and moody hues were sort of the big thing. So at the same time, two completely different styles going on in two different countries. We follow, like Australians follow the trends, don't we? Yeah, that's a good good question, actually, Glenn. What trends are we following typically from year to year? Do you know? Yeah, we te- they tend to. There's a thing called Pantone colours, which is the the base colours that um, are used throughout the through, you know throughout interior design. So we have a bit of a look at that. Um, I tend to agree exactly with what you've said, Grant. So I, we, we get a lot of our stuff just from, again, visual media, from um, looking at websites and ads we get from, from basically suppliers in our industry. And there's all sorts of, there's different looks occurring. Um, yeah. For styling in a way, we, we don't get into uh, true interior decoration and, or design. And what, what we've learned along the way is there is actually a big difference between, say, doing that, styling for yourself and styling for selling a property. So as long as... Yeah, it's an important point. We're keeping up with modern colours and modern trends, which um, is easy enough to keep abreast of, 
that's what we tend to do. It's about making a property still a bit of a blank canvas because we don't want to be overly specific. We did do one just very recently that had some magnificent antique furniture. They had anwars, they had a lot of stuff in that was going to be left as is. So we had that particular room or the area that it was, was stayed, as, stayed as is, we were then able to use contemporary furniture in, a, in another area of the house that wasn't going to clash. But if we had to come in, for example, and try and mix and match in that, it would have looked terrible. So we don't want to get too bogged down with people's ideas and opinions of, oh, I think our house should have this look. And when we look at it, we think, well, it's a generic house. It needs to have really the contemporary marketable look that people are expecting to see. Because if you create anything too unique, you'll have a small percentage loving it, but you'll polarise a lot of other people too. Yeah. yeah. And that's the thing. You're doing it for marketing. You're not doing it yeah. for design. Yeah. Exactly. There's a big difference. Yeah. Yeah. I've got one more here. Yes. Knowing how many people will sit on your couch and how many spills your sofa may experience during its lifetime is simply staggering. For some folks, it may even be a little disturbing. The average lifespan of your couch at home receives 782 sitters and 1,663 spills. So that means you're doing more spills than you're sitting. Yeah, but no, I know different sitters. Oh, different sitters. You're going to have 700 people. Yeah. Gosh, I wish I had that many friends. Over a lifetime, yeah. So (laughs) um, I'm not sure how they've gathered those stats, to be honest, but... <laughs> I think they're people that are. I think they're people that have a lot of parties. Oh yes, yeah, definitely. <laughs> yeah, so there's that sort of thing. Yeah. Yes, lots of parties. There you go. Okay, so now we do Sue's quick quiz. Are you ready, yep. Glenn, for all the? Yes, I'm ready. The top ten best things about Glenn. No, okay. So, what's your favourite uh, Melbourne place to hang out? Oh, favourite place to hang out would be it's actually my little local coffee shop. Yeah, just down. Yeah, just down in uh, Name it, Seaview. You... Yeah. Yeah. Okay. It's called Suska. Suska. Um, Suska. Yeah, just down in Seaview. Great staff. Great vibe. It's it's my little happy place because they always say to me, "You're always so smiling," and I say, "Well, I'm always happy when I'm coming in having." a cup of coffee and they're like that. So yes, that's one of my great happy places. Yeah. Seaview shopping center, which is Balcom road, Bo Morris. Beautiful. Yeah. So where's, what's the best beach to go to around Melbourne? You have a, are you a beach goer? Yeah, a little bit. Well, yeah, I'm lucky. I've sort of live in Bo Morris and close to the beach. Um, two of them I love. I love Ricketts point beach where it's just a road and everything's down on sea level. Uh, but also Mentone, Beach, but also Aspendale Beach, when you just go past, yeah, when you just get onto that beautiful stretch of beach that goes from there pretty much all the way up to Patterson River, yeah, and it's yeah. you can walk out onto there and there's hardly any people there, so yeah. beautiful, it's perfect, yeah, yeah. I would say fun. Aspendale, one of those mm. ones are along that stretch is probably the best, yeah, in yeah. Definitely. Uh, so what's the last concert you saw live? Uh, last concert I saw live, I think, uh, was sort of what was Kate Sobrano and um, Kate Sobrano and Brian Cad at the Palms. Oh. Just doing a little show. Oh, I think I saw Kate Sobrano yeah. at the Australia Day thing at Mornington Foreshore. So yeah, we may be in the same boat. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> um. So in saying that, have you ever played in a band? Uh, yes, I have. Yes. Oh, what'd you play? Drums. Drums. Is the yeah, band? I played for... uh, no, no. The band, the the well, the band that most people know, I guess, what would know of the people in it, um, was a band back in 1979, 80. It was called James Freud and the Radio Stars. Really? Were you? They had. They had yeah, they. Had, yeah, I was James Freud person. Um, and that we had a single Modern Girl, which charted mm. very well. What most people don't know is my face never got on to the album or onto the um, to the countdown appearance or anything else because I was already out of the band by the time the single was released. Which, oh, no. if I had played, if I had played my cards a bit better, I might have hung around a bit longer. But young and silly, and anyway, um, but I actually <laughs> drummed on that. I actually played the drums on that single. 
Wow. So, uh, yeah. so for so, all the sure. youngies like Grant, because Grant's like 10 years younger, <laughs> yeah. James Freud was the lead singer for the band called The Models. Do you remember a band yes. in the 80s called The Models? I've, I've heard of The Models, yeah. Okay. So yeah. here we are talking to rock star royalty <laughs> <laughs> from back in the time. Uh, you just didn't get to enjoy the accolades. <laughs> Yeah, oh, yeah, no, it's, it's uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So, going to another form yeah. of entertainment, what is mm-hmm. better, Hoyts or Village Cinemas for movies? Well, I guess because my local one, Southland, and my niece works for them, I have to say Village. Yeah, you better do that. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Now, you touched a little bit on being a bit of a sports fan. Who's your mm-hmm. favorite sports team? Collingwood. <gasps> oh, there you go. <laughs> Well, I did make, well, look, I did make mention of Robert Harvey, two reasons. One, in the early, in my early days of my own business, I used to do his garden. Yeah. He's a lovely bloke. Um, and two, he's an assistant coach at Collingwood. Oh, he's oh. So how can you go wrong? Yeah, there you go. Fair enough. Apart from being a, apart from a St Kilda out and out champion, which is. Yes. Well, that he is, definitely. Yes. Uh, so what's the McGrath's favourite restaurant? Probably the one we go our go-to if we want to sort of do anything, I guess, is the Lobster Cave. Yeah? In, uh, yeah, go down there. That's actually where my wife and I had our first date. Oh. Way back. Way back when? The Lobster Cave. Way eh? back when. Yeah. <laughs> and, um, and I never forget, I'd only been there, I think, once before, and as I walked in the door... Bill Ferg, the owner, put his hand on my shoulder and said, lovely to see you again, sir. And it made me feel really good taking her there on my wife-to-be wife, my wife to be on the first date. And afterwards I thought, what a clever man he was. Yeah. He wouldn't have known me from afar as soap. And what a good marketing ploy because I just walked away thinking, oh, I feel special in this place. Yeah. 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 That's good. Pretty smart. Yeah. And it made you look like you're good like it, it, with your wife. Or oh, your well. Wife. It could have taken exactly. it two ways. You could have been taking too many girls there. Or, <laughs> or you're just yes, true. special, special. Uh, special. I'm a special bloke, yeah. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> so the big question, are you related to the cricketer, Glenn McGrath? Uh, no, no. Um, but just as a quick story, I was still playing cricket. I, I used to play cricket for Sandringham and, um, so I was still playing cricket when he first became famous and I was also a bowler um, and used to, like in, if anyone knows suburban cricket, you've got to write the bowler's name and the book and the batsman's name. And I'd already started my first over and they were yelling out, the batting team who were doing the scoring, yelling out, bowler's name, bowler's name. So they're going, McGrath, McGrath, and there's someone just a bit of silence and they go, Glenn, McGrath. Then there was all this laughter. <laughs> from the batting team and laughter from the umpire and my guys. And I thought, geez, it's, and I was getting on a bit. I thought, geez, it's probably about time I retired. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I'm no longer anonymous. Oh, no. Yeah. What's the best suburb in Melbourne for lifestyle? Bo Morris. Yeah. By far. Love it. Yeah. By, well, look, to be honest, anywhere around this little Bayside area, but uh, I remember driving in probably, oh, I don't know how long, over 40, well, 40 years ago, the first time I drove into Beaumaris, so I'd lived locally. I had to drop something at, I was, I was working for a company, I had to drop something at this guy's parents' house and it was in Beaumaris. And as I drove in, I first thought was, where on earth has this place been? Yeah. It was like hidden just off the road a bit and it's off the beaten track, but it looked great. And I think it was Surf Avenue, so it was all those nice dirt yeah. roads and stuff. And it just left, it, it left a lasting impression. I just had this, I want to live here one day thought. Yeah. And now you are, which is good. Now I am. And just to go outside of Melbourne a little bit, where is the best place to go for a weekend getaway? Yeah, around Dalesford. The Grandpins is another one. That's sucking the We went there and that's a beautiful place. So Nice. Yeah, plenty yeah, plenty of great places. Yeah. yeah. Grant's from Mildura, so we always give him grief when we get to this stage of asking about weekend getaways because Mildura <laughs> never gets a mention, does it? <laughs> <laughs> I think, did we get one? I think we got one. Possibly. It's a like, long way. Yeah. Okay, so... All Glenn, right. you've got a special offer that you'd like to offer our listeners. Yes, yeah, so any of the listeners who care to mention that they've listened to the Real Estate Right podcast on homestyling, we will give them 15% off the quoted price for 
the styling. Wow. So we'll quote the price. So we'll quote the price first, and then we'll give them the fifteen. We'll give the fifteen percent off. So mention that, and uh, and we'll do that for them. Yeah. Oh, that'd be amazing. Awesome. Good work. That's um, pretty generous of you. So hopefully, uh, you know, we'll get some people interested yeah. in uh, using Present Your Home. Thank you. As um, their their styling company. Yeah, and thank you. It's a great job you guys do. Thank you very much. Oh, thank you. I'm yeah. glad you're building momentum because it's a really it's yeah, it's a really good podcast. Thank you very much. Yeah, great. Thank you. Thank you, Glenn, for your wisdom and knowledge. Thank you. It's always great to uh, get information from someone who's been up, you know, seen the ups and downs of the real estate industry so and knows what works. Um, you can contact Glenn via his website, presentyourhome.com.au or 0419-307-802. That's 0419-307-802. So next week, we will be talking about the long and short of settlements. How can you make a long settlement or a short settlement work for you so it's uh yeah good to be in the know real estate right is a real copyright production hosted by sue langada and grant kennedy our guest today glenn mcgrath is from present your home and you can contact him on 0419-307-802 or via his website presentyourhome.com.au for his special offer We would like to thank Podbean for hosting our podcast, Audio Stock for sound effects, Premium Beep for our theme music, and Zoom for our video link. If you love this podcast and want to help us, we'd be ever so thankful if you could please subscribe, rate, and review us on your favourite podcast service. We welcome any of our listeners to email us if they have any questions they would like answered in a future episode. So please send an email to sue at realestateright.com.au. Thanks for listening to Real Estate Right. Baby,